The Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, a collection of the final words from the sons of Jacob, exhorting their sons to walk in truth and in righteousness. Each patriarch has a unique message and perspective to share with the audience, containing unmistakable messianic prophecies and visions of end times revelation and impending judgment. The Testaments reflect some of the highest and noblest ethical teaching available and truly foreshadow many of Messiah's own precepts. The collection was preserved in Greek, Slavonic, Georgian, Serbian, Armenian, Venetian, and Latin. They were included in some canons, such as Armenian Orthodox, and were quoted by and alluded to through prominent early assembly writers, such as Origen and Jerome. Nevertheless, they are speculated by scholars to be pseudepigraphal and perhaps even Christian works. However, the avid researcher may be excited to know that the Dead Sea Scrolls findings included parts of Levi and Naphtali, dating to a minimum of 100 to 200 BC, thus lending credibility to the entire work. While we believe the Testaments to be inspired and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, it is up to you to test them and decide. With that being said, let's study together and show ourselves approved. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is our last one. This is the 12th and final patriarch, Benjamin. And we've been reading a lot of Benjamin throughout all the patriarchs because, quite frankly, Benjamin has some of the most practical application words for our lives today that I truly pray that we can all grow through them because they're just wise words. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited to go over the whole thing because we've read a certain passage multiple times, at least through five or six of the patriarchs. We read this one passage in Benjamin that's just so good that I wanted to just, I just needed to be repeated. So, but anyways, we'll read that, of course, tonight uh, alongside the rest of the Testament of Benjamin. And we're, we're going to finish up the 12 patriarchs tonight. So uh, let's pray. Father Yah Most High, we just we bless you and praise you in Yahusha's name and thank you for creating everything in six days and resting on the seventh, Father, and giving us that example. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Shabbat. Thank you for giving us the ultimate gift of your son, Messiah Husha, who was crucified for our sins, Father, and we just thank you for him. And we just want to walk as he walked. Father, we know that he is the light of this world, and we know that we're also supposed to be lights like him. So, Father, we just pray that this study would help us to grow together to be lights in a dark world. Father, we just thank you so much and praise you in Yahusha's mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat Shalom. Let's do an old school shofar. This is like from a couple years ago. Let's just do it. All right. So here we are. Um, we do have a link here or or at parablevineyard.com. I'll supply a link for you so you can read this for free online if you choose to. But no further delay. Let's get into it. A copy of the words of Benjamin, which he testified to his sons, having lived 125 years. He kissed them and said, just as Yitzhak or Isaac was born to Abraham in his old age, so I was born to Jacob. And I just want to pause there already. Uh, this is something we brought up, I think, last week in Torah portion or the week before that about the sons and daughters of his old age. And let's talk about it for a second. So Benjamin, 
or Yosef and Benjamin were both sons of his old age, his last two sons. Genesis 37.3. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Yosef more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a, a coat of many colors. Now, in that Torah portion, we... We posed the question, well, is it okay to have a favorite? Uh, we're not going to answer that here today, but we talked about that, um, I think week nine, Torah portion week nine, and we talked about, is it okay to have a favorite? But that's for another time. Nevertheless, he was his favorite, and one of the reasons was is because he was the son of his old age, Benjamin as well. Uh, in this week's Torah portion, what we're going to talk about tonight, or I'm sorry, last week's Torah portion, sorry, um, we see that uh, Jacob did not want to let Benjamin go to Egypt because he's like, this is, you know, this is all I have left of Rachel. And he loved him dearly. He was willing to let his other sons go to Egypt to get grain, uh, to bring it back. But he wasn't willing to let uh, Benjamin. Um, so, obviously, he loved Joseph and uh, and Benjamin very much. Probably a lot of it also had to do with um, Rachel. Rachel was his, his love. Um, anyways, so let's get back to the point. So, son of his old age. This is what I want to talk about. Um, son of his old age. So... Uh, Joseph, son of his old age, was preferred and loved by Yah. Maybe not preferred is the right word, sorry. Um, I want to talk about this passage in 2 Esdras 31 through 55. Or 2 Esdras 5, 31 through 55. Excuse me, I'm all over the place tonight. Let me settle down. Let's read this. In case you're new, 2 Esdras was included in the 1611 KJV under the Apocrypha section and included in other, other canons. It used to be considered scripture for a long time. Uh, but was removed out of the Bible in the mid-1800s with the Protestant dispensational movement. When I had spoken these words, the angel who had come to me on a previous night was sent to me, and he said to me, Listen to me, and I will instruct you. Pay attention to me, and I will tell you more. And I said, Speak, my master. And he said, Are you greatly disturbed in mind over Israel, or do you love him more than his maker does? And I said, No, my master. But because of my grief, I have spoken for every hour. I suffer agonies of heart while I strive to understand the way of the most high and to search out part of his judgment. And he said to me, you cannot. And I said, why not, my master? Why then was I born? Or why did not my mother's womb become my grave that I might not see the travail of Jacob and the exhaustion of the people of Israel? He said to me, Count up for me those who have not yet come, and gather for me the scattered raindrops, and make the withered flowers bloom again for me. Open for me the closed chambers, and bring forth for me the winds shut up in them, or show me the picture of a voice, and then I will explain to you the travail that you asked to understand. And I said, O sovereign master, who is able to know these things except he whose dwelling is not with men? As for me, I am without wisdom, and how can I speak concerning the things which you have asked me? He said to me, just as you cannot do one of the things that were mentioned, so you cannot discover my judgment or the goal of the love. We'll be talking about this word tonight. The goal of the love that I have promised my people. The goal or the end. And I said, yet behold, O Yahuwah, you, you do have charge over those who are alive at the end. I love this passage. Listen, think about this for a second. He says, Ezra prophesies that you have charge over those who are alive at the end. The Sefer reads, Behold, O Yahuwah, you are, yet are you nigh or close unto them that are reserved till the end. And I think a lot of us understand that we're maybe in the end times and we may be the last generation or the end times generation. So you do have charge or draw close to those who are alive at the end. But what will those do who were before us or we or those who come after us? And the reason I'm bringing this up is <clears throat> this kind of right here, this passage right here alludes to he has kind of favor over the people at the end 
Now, does Yahuwah age like men do? Men do? Probably not. No. But in the timeline of man, if man is given a certain timeline and we are literally being born at the end before the millennial uh, reign, wouldn't we be the sons and daughters of his old age? And it says here he has charge over those who are alive at the end. He said to me, I shall liken my judgment to a circle. Just as for those who are last, there is no slowness. So for those who are first, there is no haste. Then I answered and said, Could you not have created at one time those who have been and those who are and those who will be that you might show your judgment the sooner? He replied to me and said, The creation cannot make more haste than the creator. Neither can the world hold at one time those who have been created in it. And I said, How have you said to your servant that you will certainly give life at one time to your creation, the resurrection, of course, if therefore all creatures will live at one time and the creation will sustain them, it might even now be able to support all of them present at one time. He said to me, Ask a woman's womb and say to it, If you bear ten children, why one after another? Request it, therefore, to produce ten at one time. I said, Of course it cannot, but only each in its own time. He said to me, Even so have I given the womb of the earth to those who from time to time are sown in it. For as an infant does not bring forth, and a woman who has become old does not bring forth any longer, so have I organized the world which I created." Then I inquired and said, Since you have now given me opportunity, let me speak before you. Is our mother, of whom you have told me, still young, or is she now approaching old age? So, <clears throat> Yah is alluding to the, um, the earth uh, having an age. And so, once again, if we're in the end times, would we not be the sons and daughters of his old age? And I'm going back to here. Um, <clears throat> Benjamin was a son of his old age, and we also see that Joseph was loved beloved of jacob because he was the son of his old age so i'm wondering is there a little maybe a little favor the most high has over us being the sons and daughters of his old age i do think so and i'll show you some more scripture to support that we saw one uh <clears throat> one of those um one of those nuggets here earlier into ezra saying he has charge over those who will be at the end he replied to me so he asked you know is is the mother is, our, is the, the earth is it young or old he replied to me ask a woman who bears 10 children and she will tell you say to her why are those whom you have born recently not like those whom you born before, but smaller in stature? And she herself will answer you, Those born in the strength of youth are different from those born during the time of old age when the womb is failing. And this reminds me of um, the Revelation uh, 3 passage where by the Church of Philadelphia it says, Because you have had little strength, but, you have, but yet have um, persevered in my word, I will keep you from the hour, the hour of uh, temptation or the hour of trial which comes upon the whole world. Therefore, you also should consider that you and your contemporaries are smaller in stature than those who were before you. And those who will come after you will be smaller than you as born of a creation which already is aging and passing the strength of you. So if we are in the end, which is debatable, of course, I think we are, then we are at the end, uh, the, the end of this timeline of this woman whose womb is failing and, and it really, it really reminds me of, again, the people in the end who would have little strength, but yet continued uh, and were victorious in, in Messiah and in, in walking like he walked in, in his ways. So um, also, I want to read this. <clears throat> Let's establish this in John 15. Messiah says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So, <clears throat> long story short, we are 
were the were Yah's plant, were his vineyard, literally. And he's likened us to so many different things, but in this parable, Messiah is the vine, and we're branches of that vine, and we're supposed to bear fruit. If you want to know what the fruit is, Psalm one is an excellent one. Um, in Galatians five, the the fruit of the spirit. That's the truth, spirit and truth. But <clears throat> the the point is, is that here it says this: If we're his vineyard, Isaiah twenty seven one through six, in that day. Yahweh with a sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. This reminds me of Revelation. Um, you know, the, the, the beast is given power by the dragon and uh, sits over um, many waters, nations, multitudes, peoples. Anyways, he will slay him. In that day, singing unto her, a vineyard of red wine. So he's talking about his vineyard. Now listen. I, Yahweh, do keep it. I will <clears throat> I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. So he's like, I'm going to take care. So he's talking about, of course, the end times here. We know this by this passage here. And he, Yahweh, does keep his vineyard. He waters it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. So he's going to protect us. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and the thorns against me? Briars and thorns are plants that don't bring forth fruit. These are fruitless plants. <clears throat> Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them and would burn them all together. And of course, if we want to be his, if we want to be his vineyard, we have to uh, abide in him and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without Messiah, there's nothing. Without the word, there's nothing. If a man, if a man abide not in me, so live in him, and what is he? He is the word. He's the word of the Messiah. He is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide, or live in me, and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Hallelujah. All right, so I think we talked about first two verses plenty. So are we the sons and daughters of his old age? I think so. And does he have a little bit of favor over us? I think so. And how... How much is like that his character that people who probably deserve it the least there's some I've met some some people who have lived some really good lives but the majority of the people I meet in this movement came from a really rough background and like me I'll be I'll freely admit it without his mercy I mean I just I should be dead I should be a dead man in my sins and my trespasses broken almost every single commandment and he's merciful to me and he showed me his son and he showed me his way. And I'm super thankful. And I think that's some major favor because had I lived two, three thousand years ago like this, uh, dead, see ya, no chance, you're, you're out of here. No way. No way. All right, back to Testament of Benjamin, chapter one, verse three. Since Rachel, my mother, died as she was burying me, I had no milk from her, but was nursed instead by Bilhah, her maid servant. 
For after Rachel bore Yosef, she was barren for 12 years. She prayed to Yahweh with fasting and conceived and gave birth to me. My father loved Rachel exceedingly and prayed that he might see two sons born from her. For this reason, I was called Benjamin or Benjamin, that is, son of days. Now, here's what seems to be a little discrepancy because um, it's commonly translated that Benjamin is son of the right hand. And uh, here's a quick little, <clears throat> little thing here. Benjamin is a popular given name for males derived from Hebrew Benjamin, translated as son of the right hand in both Hebrew and Aramaic languages. Although in the Samaritan Pentateuch, the name appears as Benjamin, son of my days. So, which one's right? Is the Masoretic, uh, the Masoretic, where it's you know, you know, son of the right hand, correct, or is it son of days? Is it both? Who knows? Um, but here it looks like this one agrees with the Samaritan Pentateuch. Not that the Samaritan Pentateuch trumps everything else. It's just another manuscript that we have to test things for, uh, test things through and from. So the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs version aligns with the Samaritan Pentateuch that says Benjamin, that is son of days. So, all right, chapter two. When I came to Yosef in Egypt and my brother recognized me, he said, What did they say to my father when they sold me? And I replied to him, They splattered your coat with blood and sent it to him and said, Do you know if this shirt belongs to your son? And Yosef said to me, Yes, brother. When they stripped off my shirt and gave me to the Ishmaelites, they gave me a loincloth and beat me and told me to run. Now, in, in this here, in the book of ya, uh, Yashar, Jasher, it shows that before Yosef revealed himself to all his brothers, he revealed himself to Benjamin. Then they had a little side conversation, and that's this is probably part of it. <clears throat> so, uh, and they gave me to the Ishmaelites, and they gave me a loincloth and beat me and told me to run. One of them who had whipped me was met by a lion, and it slew him. So his partners were horrified and kept me under a looser rein. Now, also in this, we'll see, and this is the this is the um, the continued behavior, good behavior of Yosef. That these Ishmaelites they recognized that through their rough treatment of Yosef, they were punished, and they asked Yosef to forgive them and pray for them. And Yosef willingly did. He's like, of course. He he wasn't like, no, I'm gonna have my Elohim strike you down right now because you deserve it. No, he's like, okay, no problem. And this is a great example for us. So, verse, uh, chapter 3. Now, my children, Yav, Yav, love Yahweh Elohim of heaven and earth. Keep his commandments. Pattern your life after the good and pious man, Yosef. Like we learned last week, patterning our lives like Yosef is very much patterning our, patterning our lives like Messiah, walking like Messiah walked. So if you didn't catch last week with Joseph and you want to learn more about walking like Messiah walked and more about this verse right here, patterning patterning our lives after Joseph and Messiah, check out last week with the Testament of Joseph. Let your thoughts incline to the good as you know to be so with me because he who has the right set of mind sees everything rightly so this is something that we need to do we have to fight that good fight in this and wage war against this great contest it's a contest over the mind if you think about it especially in the last days that we live in the the captivity and the 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 war that we're living in right now is a different war with a different battlefront it's a war of the mind i mean from the moment we're born they're in Injecting us with all kinds of toxins and teaching us all sorts of lies in schools, uh, crafting us, forming us to rely on man with mo uh, uh, modern man day synthesized um, and abominable medicines. Um, 
giving us a, a false currency system. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it just everything, almost everything is just a lie. Almost everything is a lie. So the war is on the mind. But the, the point is, is that we've got to win this battle. We have to win this contest that the devil is very good at what he does, unfortunately. And that's what he's doing. He wants numbers. He wants the big numbers for him to walk in his ways. Because it doesn't matter if someone's following a slew of different false religions, bowing down to different idols or whatever. If they're not following in the way, they're following the way of the devil, which is lawlessness. Lawlessness has many roads. The truth has one road. So we have to set our mind to good. And this is something that we have to petition the Most High for, ask Him for assistance. Of course, the Ruach, the Spirit that He puts in us is supposed to help us along this path, to convict us of sin, to teach us and lead us to truth. But we have to set our minds to do this. And this confirms what we've learned through the Torah. Hopefully you've read this before. If not, here we go. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 8. And you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Messiah quoted this saying this is the first and greatest commandment. So we know that this is not a done away with. So certainly the next couple of verses wouldn't be done away with either, would it? And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So basically all the time. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Right here. His ways need to be in our forehead and in our hand, a symbolize of our actions, what we do. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah. If we're delighting in something, we're setting our mind to it. And in his, uh, his law, his Torah, does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is who we're supposed to be. Speaking of trees, Luke six forty three through 46 For a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. This is what we were talking about earlier in the Isaiah 27 passage about the thorns and the, the briars. He's like, if they come at me, I'm going to burn them. If they come against my people, I'm going to burn them. A good man out of the good... So now we know that this tree tree stuff is talking about man. And so here he's explaining a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and so when this is talking about how let your thoughts incline to good this is about what is in your heart what are you meditating on what are you thinking about constantly is it about worldly stuff is it about gain is it about money is it about um who, who knows there's a, a million things it can be about or is it about the most high because really, this world is just a, a vapor. And we get so consumed in our careers and family, and not that careers and family are not important, and, and many other things. But what is the focus and the drive of your life? Is it to serve the Most High? Is it to walk in His ways? Because that's what our Messiah came to show us. He's like, why do you care so much about clothing and food? Don't the birds who you know don't even have the power to sow and to reap 
Aren't they fed all the time by your father? And how much more will he not clothe and feed you? But seek ye to first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you anyways. He just wants you to focus on him and to serve him. And what does that look like? It looks like keeping his ways. That's that's how it's been from the very beginning, from the garden all the way to now. It's about will you keep my ways or not? Satan has just tricked Yah's people every time. In the garden, Israel, even now. What do we think about? What are we meditating on? Are you in his word? Are you relying on other people to read the word for you? Or to teach you the word all the time? Are you spending time yourself in the word? Because that's what this is really about. This is not about relying on people like me and others to always continue to dish you the word. I'm glad to do it and this is my calling. But are you spending your own time in the word? It's like spending personal and private time with him. For why do you call me master, master, and do not the things which I say? So he, he finishes up. This is what a good tree looks like. This is what a good man looks like. Someone who, in his heart, meditates on good things. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Elohim and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Messiah. So you take your thoughts captive to for the goal of, obedi of being obedient to Messiah. You want to learn more about taking every thought captive. You're like, oh, these thoughts come in and or you know, these dreams and they're like trying to entice me and these thoughts come in like, oh, hey, remember these these fun things we used to do, huh? You want to give it another shot? It's no big deal. He'll just forgive you afterwards. Just come on, go, let's come on. Let's go have a good time. YOLO. No way, no, no. You don't only live once. That's why it's called the first death and the second death. But anyways, the point is, if you're struggling with these things, please check out the Testament of Zebulon. We spent quite a bit of time talking about taking cap uh, thought you know, taking captive your thoughts okay um let's get back here so let your thoughts incline to the good Ch uh, chapter 3 verse 3 reverence yahuwah and love your neighbor even if the spirits of belier so in this in these books belier is the name for satan seek to derange you with all sorts of wicked oppression they will not dominate you, even as they were not able to dominate Yosef, my brother. That's what we were just talking about. Like these thoughts. I think these spirits are allowed are, and have the ability to be like, hey, what do you think about this? Doesn't this sound like a good, doesn't this sound like fun? Shouldn't you just, shouldn't you hate your neighbor? Look at him. You're better than him. Why is, why is he in a higher position than you? Why is he the supervisor and you're not? That's not fair. You deserve it. Whatever. I'm just saying. That's what these spirits do. How many men wanted to destroy him and Elohim shielded him? That was the promise to Abraham. I will be your, your, your shield and your exceeding great reward. For the person who fears and reverences Elohim and loves his neighbor cannot be plagued by the spirit of Belial, since he is sheltered by the fear and reverence of Elohim. When we This goes back to the two greatest commandments the Messiah taught. We just see them right here. For our love for our neighbor and our love of Elohim and our fear and reverence of Elohim. You do those two things with all of your heart, soul, and mind. If that's the drive of your life, you'll be protected and shielded from these things. It's not that they won't come, but you, he, Yah will give you the, the mind 
and the armor, the armor of Elohim that we read about in Ephesians 6 to help you, to guide you. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the Torah? Yahushua said unto him, You shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We just read that in Deuteronomy 6. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything disseminates from this. You look in the Ten Commandments, that explains to you how to love Yah and how to love people a little better. You look at the rest of the Torah, it explains even further how to keep and walk out those commandments with more specific details on this scenario and that scenario. Psalm 91, this is the promise of protection. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of Yahuwah, He is my refuge and my fortress. My Elohim and Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under your wings shall you trust. Now listen, his truth. Psalm 119, 142 defines the truth as the Torah. Messiah also in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's declaring that he is literally the word of Yahuwah. The truth, the Torah, is his word. His truth, so when we abide in it, shall be your shield and buckler. And that's the essence of the Torah is everything can be literally categorized into, well, this is how you love people. This is how you love Yah, literally. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come close to you. And I believe, I really believe with all my heart. And if I'm wrong, yeah, forgive me. I believe that we're that end times generation that really wakes up out of nowhere in a time where the world gives them everything they want and everything they could ever desire. And we're like, we're good. We're just going to go over here in this path and we're going to go to this ancient path that nobody else wants to walk on and see ya. And I think Yah's like, those are my people. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to protect them. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked because you have made Yahuwah, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. You live in him like we read earlier with Messiah. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. If you abide in my commandments, you shall bear fruit. I think I misquoted that, but you, you, get, you understand what I'm saying. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come close to your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. So are you loving him? Are you? Is your love focused on the things of the world or is your love on the Father? Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Multifaceted. I believe that's literal and figurative. I believe his name is literal. People are calling upon his name again. I know there's discre you know there's, there's discussions about the exact pronunciation. But his name is also his character. It's who he is. And I think that's the real the basis of don't take my name in vain. Don't say I'm yours and don't do anything I say. 
He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. But the crux of this is, again, his truth shall be our buckler and our shield. And because he has set, because we, or whoever it may be, set our love upon him, he will deliver us. Deuteronomy 11, 1. Therefore, you shall love Yahweh Elohim and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And he's telling you right now how you love him. You love him by walking in his ways. He's like, I'm going to provide all this for you. Just this is how you love me. This is the marriage contract. This is how you love me. Same thing with Adam and Eve. All this is here before you. Just keep this one commandment. And what did Satan do? Did he really say that? Same thing today. Did he really say that? Or isn't that? Is, that's changed now. Doesn't Paul say this? John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Nothing new. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Okay, chapter 3 of Benjamin, verse 5. So, remember, we're shielded by our love of Elohim and our love of our fellow man. Neither man's schemes nor those of animals can prevail over him, for he is aided in living by this, by the love which he has towards his neighbor. Therefore, Elohim helps him. This is This is it. This is the prize. This is the this is the treasure. People are searching for Yah's treasure in so many different ways and getting consumed with so many different topics. This is it. We have found the treasure trove, which is his Torah, his way, our Messiah, who who taught us how to walk in the Torah perfectly and to love each other. He, he how many times he's like, this, this is my commandment. You love one another. And if our if love is not defined by what the scriptures say, then it's meaningless. It's nothing. It's everything and it's nothing. Because modern day interpretation of love can be like, well, you know, love is love. Let him be. Love is love. Okay. Right? So men want to love men and marry men. Is, is that, that's okay? That's love? Well, you say, well, no, no, no. Well, how do we know that? Well, only because the Torah tells us. Well, what about if a man wants to love a child? Isn't love is love? Where are the boundaries? The boundaries are the Torah. The Torah tells us what's good and what's not. It tells us what love is and what hate is, period. But think about this, though. The point of this here is, neither man's schemes nor those of animal can prevail over him. Why are we so worried about the, what the New World Order and the, the Beast Kingdom is doing? Why are we so worried? Revelation 17, 17 says, For Elohim has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and giving over their royal power to the beast until the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. Yah allows all this. Yah is allowing the Rothschilds, the DuPonts, and the Rockefellers, and all these people to do what they're doing. That's, it's, that's, he's allowing it to fulfill his will. Why are we worried about their schemes and the Great Reset and all this? Kind of, if we trust in him, this is the moral of the story here. If we trust in him, we have nothing to worry about. Nothing. To Ezra 6, 1 through 6. And he said to me, At the beginning of the circle of the earth, before the portals of the world were in place, and before the assembled winds blew, and before the rumblings of thunder sounded, and before the flashes of lightning shone, and before the foundations of paradise were laid, and before the beautiful flowers were seen, and before the powers of movement were established, before the innumerable hosts of angels were gathered together, and before the heights of the air were lifted up, 
and before the measures of the firmaments were named, and before the footstool of Zion was established, and before the present years were reckoned, and before the imaginations of those who now sin were estranged, and before those who stored up treasures of faith were sealed, then I planted these things, and they were made through me and not through another. Listen to this. Just as the end shall come through me and not through another. Why are we so careful and curious about the footsteps of the enemy? And predicting the end through this enemy's movement. That the end's gonna come through Yahuwah. We're waiting on him. Our focus should not be on the Antichrist. The, our focus or in the beast kingdom, our focus should be on him because that's his promise to us. If we walk in his ways, if we love him and our focus our lives on him, we have nothing to worry about. Seriously. Literally. Isaiah sixty six, six through seven. Someone's going to have a problem with this, but it's literally just Isaiah chapter 66. Hark! An uproar from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice from Yahuwah rendering recompense to his enemies. We're going to see here there's a division. When he comes, there's going to be people he's going to protect, and there's some people he's going to destroy. Period. And nothing in between. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she was delivered of a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her sons. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, says Yahuwah? Shall I who cause to bring forth shut the womb, says your Elohim? Rejoice with Jerusalem. I, I believe the context of this is New Jerusalem. And be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may suck and be satisfied with her consoling breasts, that you may drink deeply with delight from the abundance of her glory. For thus says Yahuwah, Behold, I will extend prosperity to her like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall suck, and you shall be carried upon her hip, and dandled upon her knees, as one who comforts, I'm sorry, as of as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like grass, and it shall be known that the hand of Yahuwah is with his servants and his indignation against his enemies, black or white, good or bad, sweet or bitter, life or death. Boom. Separation. For behold, Yahweh will come in fire and his chariots like a storm wind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will Yahweh execute judgment and by his sword upon all flesh. And those slain by Yahweh shall be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves into the gardens following one in the midst eating pig and the abomination and the mouse shall come to an end together, says Yahuwah. All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> so neither man's schemes nor other animals can prevail over him what are we worried about really what are we so consuming so much of our time how much time I'm asking you how much time are you spending researching the movements of the beast and the beast system and the beast king and the and the beast uh, whatever and the antichrist steps and Satan's steps and Satan's plans and whatever how much time are you spending with that versus spending time in his word I'm just asking maybe many of you would, would say Adam we, we stopped watching all that stuff Praise yeah. What are we worried about, really? All that stuff y'all put out there, I believe, is to lead us to him, to his son, and to his Torah. Now that we're here, why do we keep going back and be like, what's going on? Now listen, is it okay to stay abreast of things going on? Sure. 
I'm talking about people that that's all they do is is just focus on that stuff and barely spend any time in the work. That's who I'm talking to right now. In love. I ain't your daddy. Just your brother. Just your brother that, that cares. And that's why I'm bringing this up. Testament of Benjamin, chapter 3, verse 6. Joseph also urged our father to pray for his brothers that Yahuwah would not hold them accountable for their sin, which they so wickedly committed against him. Think about that. I Think about all the things that his brothers did to him. They beat him up. They threw him into a pit. They took his coat. They tore it up. They put blood all over it. They sold him into slavery. And it started a chain reaction of events that made him be in prison for 12 years. Now, of course, he was raised to glory. But he could have held on to bitterness or anger, resentment. But he didn't. He's like, you know, they sinned greatly against me. You know, Father, let's pray for them that they that they be forgiven. Like, hello, walking like Messiah walked. That's exactly what he taught us. Then said Yahushua, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. This is when he was on the cross. He's like, forgive them. Same thing with Stephen. There's, he's getting stoned. Father, forgive them. Lay this not to their charge. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Hmm. He also said, be, uh, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. If you shall not forgive others, you will also not be forgiven. Testament of Gad, chapter 6. Um, chapter 6, verse 6. Even if he denies it and acts disgracefully out of a sense of guilt, be quiet and do not become upset. This is when someone transgresses you. If you And if you um, <clears throat> approach somebody with a sin against you and you're like, hey, you know, this is what happened. Even if he denies it and acts disgracefully out of a sense of guilt, be quiet and do not become upset. For he who denies may repent and avoid offending you again. Indeed, he will honor you, will respect you, and be at peace. Even if he is devoid of shame and persists in his wickedness, forgive him from the heart and leave vengeance to Elohim. Those are some wise words because it happens a lot that we just have to forgive people and be like, I just forgive you. Even if you don't ask for forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you from my heart. That's walking like Messiah. And Jacob cried out, Oh, noble child, you have crushed the inner feelings of Jacob, your father. He's like, wow, look what they did to you, and you're still praying for them. He embraced him and kept kissing him for two hours, saying, In you will be fulfilled the heavenly prophecy, which says that the spotless one will be defiled by lawless men, and the sinless one will die for the sake of impious men, in the blood of the covenant, for the salvation of the Gentiles and of Israel, and shall destroy Belial and his servants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where, he, where was this prophesied? Of course, in Isaiah 53. Let's read it. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of Elohim and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and Yahuwah has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence or no evil 
sinless, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their sins and iniquities. Praise be to Yah. First Peter 1 Peter 1, 18-19 For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Messiah as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, sinless. Jew 21-23 Keep yourselves in the love of Elohim. We already defined how to love him. It's not by just saying I love you so much. Truly, it's showing him by your actions, just like in our relationships today. You can say you love your partner, but if all your actions don't reflect that, do you really love them? You show your partner with actions. And words, words are good too. But words without actions are meaningless. That's why he said in Matthew 15, in vain they do worship me, keeping for draw. Uh, he says, they draw close to me with their mouth, with their mouth and their lips do honor me but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching the, uh, the commandments of men. So keep yourself in the love of Elohim, looking for the mercy of our master, Yahusha HaMashiach, unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So we saw earlier, without spot, without blemish, without spot. He was sinless. Now, now that we've been cleaned, and our robes have been washed by the blood of Messiah, we ought to work towards keeping them clean. Does that mean once we come to salvation and we repent and we're baptized, we're perfect? No. No. But should we be continuously be refined in working towards that? Yes. I believe so. I believe we should be striving for that with all of our heart, soul, heart, soul, and mind. We give our efforts for so many things in life. Why don't we give our full effort for him? and work towards that. So you're struggling with something, take it to him in prayer. Ask him to take it away from you. Be refined in the fire. And he may put you through a trial to burn that off of you. And in the midst of the trial, don't say, get me out of the fire. Say, what do I need to learn in the midst of this trial? How can I grow closer to you? Chapter 4, verse 1 of Benjamin. See then, my children, what is the end of the good man? You can see here I put in parentheses the goal. And we'll talk about that in a second. So what is the end of the good man? Be imitators of him in goodness because of his compassion in order that you may wear crowns of glory. So this is the end. This is the, this is the goal. This is what happens to a good man. So Joseph is an excellent example. Look at all he suffered and look at how he acted in the midst of it and look how he was rewarded. This is a pattern for people who trust in Yahuwah. Doesn't it say in Revelation, he has made his kings and priests unto our Elohim and we shall rule this is the end. This is the end goal of man. James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brethren, just like Joseph was. So a lot of Benjamin is looking at Joseph and be like, hey, look at this guy. So last week was all about Joseph, and this week a lot of it is about Joseph too. Be patient, therefore, brethren, like Joseph, like Messiah, unto the coming of, unto the coming of Messiah. Behold, the husbandman, or the gardener, or the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Be you also patient and establish your hearts. What we were talking about earlier, 
Take thought, take thought, you know, captive of your thoughts of what's going in your mind. What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling about? What are you reading? What are you studying? For the coming of the master draws nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. And this happens so often in this movement because of different interpretations. Specifically the calendar. Wow. Anyways, that's for another topic. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of Yahuwah for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of Yahuwah. This is the same thing. See then, what is the end of the good man? Same thing we see here. And have seen the end of Yahuwah. What that means is we saw the end of what happens with Job. Job patiently endured through horrific trials, and we saw that he was rewarded richly. That Yahuwah is very pitiful and of tender mercy. James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endures temptation or trials or testings, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which Yahuwah has promised them that love him. Revelation 2.10 Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. And it's waiting. That's what he says here. See then, my children, what is the end or the goal of the good man? Be imitators of him in his goodness because of his compassion in order that you may wear crowns of glory. Another, another place that this word end is used and I honestly misuse and it is in Romans 10. Let's, let's look at it from this perspective. Brethren, my heart's desire in prayer to Elohim is, uh, for, I'm sorry, to Elohim for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of Elohim, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of Elohim's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. This, this talks about their own oral law and traditions that, are, have super, that superseded Yah's ways. The same as today with, with Judaism have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Elohim. And you'll see what he's talking about. For Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So this is that same word, the end. We see it here. And this is why I put it. See then the what is the end of the good man? This doesn't mean like like it's this is the end of your life. Or this is the you know this is the end of the race. This is the goal. What is see, see then what is the goal of the good man? Or the prize or the reward? For Messiah is the goal or the reward or the fullness of the Torah to everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does these things shall live by them. Now here, in this translation and in most translations, they err greatly. But it says, but, so it makes you think, well, however, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Let's back up for a second. Let's take a look at the interlinear here for Romans 10.6. It says, the however, the, the faith of righteousness. So look, let's look at this word here. And we'll see. It says, and, moreover, and, moreover, and, moreover, and, moreover, and, moreover. Boom, 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 boom. It doesn't say however. It's translated this one time here that way. Because moreover means, and furthermore, and continuing on this. So it should read, for, the, for Moses describes the righteousness, righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does these things shall live by them. Moreover, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Now he's quoting Deuteronomy 30, which talking about the law, that is to bring Messiah down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Messiah again from the dead. 
But what says it? The word is close to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 30, which is all about keeping the Torah, period. So you can see it's just one little word. As you can see here, it completely changes everything. So they said, however, but you see here, it doesn't mean however. It says moreover or and, and, however, more, uh, or moreover. Moreover means it's continuing on the same line of thinking. So he's talking about the righteousness, which is of the law, and the righteousness, which is of the faith, speaks on this wise. So anyways, a little sidetracked there. Back to Benjamin, chapter 4, verse 2. For a good man does not have a dark eye, but is merciful to all, even though they may be sinners. I want to read a quick passage for you in Jasher, three verses. Uh, we're going to read Jasher 22, 11 through 13. In case you're new, the book of Jasher was mentioned twice in the scripture, once in Joshua 10, 13, and also in 2 Samuel 1, 18. It says this, And Abraham planted a large grove in Beersheba, and he made it, it to it four gates facing the four sides of the earth, and planted a vineyard in it, so that if a traveler came to Abraham, he entered any gate which was in his road, and remained there, and ate and drank, and satisfied himself, and then departed. For the house of Abraham was always open to the sons of men that passed and repassed, who came daily to eat and drink in the house of Abraham. And any man who had hunger and came to Abraham's house, Abraham would give him bread that he might eat and drink and be satisfied. And anyone that came naked to his house, he would clothe with garments as he might choose and give him silver and gold and make known to him Yahuwah who has created him in the earth. This did Abraham all his life. And Messiah says in the book of John, I think chapter 8, it says, if you were the seed of Abraham, you would do the deeds of Abraham. So this goes back to, for a good man does not have a dark eye, but is merciful to all, even though they may be sinners. And so often I think people come into the truth and get puffed up with knowledge and they're like, hmm, <sighs> disgusting people. How could they act like that? Ugh. Boy, we're missing it. Let us not be like that. Just like Messiah showed the, the parable of the two people praying in the temple. One was the Pharisee who was like, I thank you, Father, that I'm not like this man over here or an extortioner or a thief or whatever. And I tithe, you know, all that I have and, and I fast twice of the week and blah, 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 blah. And the other one was like, would not even look up to heaven and say, Yahweh, be merciful to me, a sinner. Messiah said, the second person that I just mentioned went home justified more than the first. Anyways. Benjamin 4.3, even if the person's plot against him for evil ends, by doing good, this man conquers evil. Being shielded by Elohim, he loves the righteous and those who wrong him as he loves his own life. Think about David, who Saul, all he wanted to do was kill him. And David had the opportunity to take vengeance and to do so, but he's like, no, I'm going to let the vengeance be in Yah's hands. And he even continued to try to love Saul. And Saul just kept wanting to kill him. Think about Peter in jail. Peter was... And think about this. I think about the mindset. We, 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 we think about these stories and don't even think about it. So put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's walking with Messiah all, the, all this time. And, you know, Messiah is crucified, comes back to life, gives him the Holy Spirit. He goes around preaching and then gets thrown in jail. You know, he could be like, oh, questioning himself, like, am I really following the truth? I mean... If I was following the truth, how could I fall into this 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 trial of being in jail? No, he sang. He's like, he was singing and like, yeah. And then the angel came and took him out. Anyways. Uh, Benjamin 4.4. 4. If anyone is exalted, he holds no envy. If anyone becomes rich, he's not jealous. If anyone is brave, he praises him. 
the virtuous men he commends. He shows mercy to the impoverished. To the weak he shows compassion. Unto Yahuwah he sings praises. This is like, can we walk like this, please? These are like root situations that, if handled improperly, can can harbor so much sin and envy and jealousy. Think about it. If someone is exalted, some people, ugh. someone else is promoted. Ugh. If anyone becomes rich, ugh. if anyone's brave, you know. But this is the way to act. This is the mindset we ought to have, especially if it's one of our brothers. Like, one of our brothers gets rich or is exalted, or like, or whatever. Or is brave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Singing praises. I don't know. It's just a good verse. He loves the person who has the grace of a good spirit as he loves his own life. I want to read a little passage from the book of the Nazarim. Uh, I've been mentioning this book quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. It's something I've been testing. And uh, after we're done here with the patriarchs, we're actually going to be testing this book. And uh, I hope it's a blessing. We're going to test it, line by line. But we're going to take a look at the book of the Nazarim, chapter 4, um, verse 45. We're going to page 52. And we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 45 through 46. A disciple named Micaiah said to Yahushua, Master, teach us how to love one another without malice or envy, with goodwill and forbearance. Yahushua said, the first step is to love yourself less. And by doing this, you will find more love to give. If any say, I like being loved, that person is wrong. For rather, you should say, I like loving. Do not seek to take love, but to give it. For have I not said it is better to give than to receive? It's a good one. I think it's a good opposition to what the world preaches, which is to love yourself. Now, does that mean we're not, we're like, we hate ourselves and like, oh, I hate you. Ugh. No, of course not. But he's saying, he said, don't, he didn't say don't love yourself. He says, love yourself less. And when you do that, you'll have more love to give. And I think that's an amazing advice. Praise Yah. Let's go to Benjamin chapter five, verse one. If your mind is set towards good, even evil men will be at peace with you. The depraved will respect you and will turn back to the good. The greedy will not only abstain from their passion, but will give to the oppressed the things which they covetously hold. If you continue to do good, even the unclean spirits will flee from you and wild animals will fear you. Pray yeah. Pray, pray yeah. Praise yeah. Praise yeah. Chapter, uh, verse 3. For where someone has within himself respect for good works and has light in the mind, darkness will flee away from that person. To learn more about this, Simeon, uh, Testament of Simeon and Gad and Dan are really good ones about fleeing from the darkness because they, ab they abode in the darkness for some time and then had to repent and set their minds to good and then the darkness fleed away, fleed, fled away from them. For if anyone unashamedly attacks a holy man, he repents. Since the holy man shows mercy to the one who abused him. We saw that earlier. Father, forgive them for they do know not what they do. Stephen, Father, forgive them. And if someone attacks you, or which is very common here in, in this movement, um, even even just in, in believers and Messiah, it's like even like not even not even in the Torah movement. People are like, like in, in even the Christian, uh, just regular Christians, you know, this Baptist is attacking that Baptist because of this one little thing. And, and you know, this one's attacking that one and that one's attacking that one. It says, 
If anyone unashamedly attacks a holy man, he repents, since the holy man shows mercy to the one who abused him and maintains silence. That's turning the cheek, in my opinion. Someone attacks you unashamedly, slanders you, gossips against you. You got this side. Go ahead. Maintain. I like this. Shows mercy to the one who abused him and maintains silence. Why? Because we pray for them. Instead of attacking them, pray for them. Yeah. Forgive them. If they don't know what they're doing, please help open their eyes or whatever it may be. And if anyone betrays a righteous man, the righteous man pray. Well, there it is. I just stole the thunder from the scripture. I shouldn't have done that. And if anyone betrays a righteous man, the righteous man prays, even though for a brief time he may be humbled, especially by the words or the actions of this person who attacks them, even though for a brief time he may be humbled, later he will appear far more glorious as happened with Yosef, my brother. It reminds me of David and Shimei in 2 Samuel 16, where Shimei, with the house of, of Saul, was like throwing rocks at David, and his people like, yeah, come out, you bloody man, you you son of Belial, you know, blah, 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 or whatever you're saying, you you, uh, you bloody man, you know, he's just, he's cursing David, throwing rocks at him, and this is right after the Absalom thing, and, and literally, <laughs> think about David for a second, he was the king of all Israel, and everyone loved him, he was... You know, David killed his ten thousands, killed Goliath, and he was a hero. And just like that, almost all of Israel, except for six hundred people, turned against him and went with his son Absalom. That's how fickle people are. Nothing's changed. <laughs> but the point is, is David's at his at his lowest right here, and this guy Shimei is throwing rocks at him and cursing him, and and one of them, uh, I think, is it was a Baishai. I don't. Know, one of them came up to him, and David was like. You want me to just go over there and take off his head? And David's like, no. Let him curse. Because Yahuwah has, has bid him to curse. Maybe Yahuwah will see me and have mercy on me. This, this, this is it right here. And guess what? Later on, Shimei came to David and repented. Now, what happened later is another story. Because David's like, uh, don't do this and don't do that and you'll live. And Shimei's like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And he died. But the point is, Shimei cursed him, threw rocks at him. David was silent, didn't even reprove him, and just turned to Yah. And later on, Shimei came to David and repented for what he did. So that's how that's how it, that's how it worked in action, right there. And I believe that uh, I believe David would have read this. I believe this is scripture, and I believe this was available. Okay. Uh, chapter six, the deliberations, deliberations, you know what I understand, but it means to deliberate. Let me just, uh, just in case I know, um, let's just, let's just search the term deliberation, the act or pro discussion and consideration of all sides of an issue, thoughtfulness in decision or action. Thank you. Okay. I, I love when you look at the definition is like that process of deliberating. Oh, thanks. That's a lot of help, <laughs> but of course it does make sense. Anyways. So the deliberations of the good man are not in the control of the deceitful spirit. Belier, for the angel of shalom, peace guides his life. Think about this. So think about how figuratively or literally the, um, the angel of Yahuwah or the, the pillar of fire and the cloud and the pillar of cloud led the Israelites, led them through the wilderness. Well, in a figure, that was a literal way, in a figurative way, this angel of Shalom, the angel of Yahuwah, of peace, guides his life. 
For he does not look with passionate longing at corruptible things, nor does he accumulate wealth out of a love for pleasure. It's not saying wealth is wrong and things are wrong, but it's how the mind operates. For he does not look with passionate longing at corruptible things, which are homes and cars and gold and silver and all sorts of things. Is it wrong to have any of these things? No. Is it wrong for your mind to, to you know, passionately long after them? Yes, it's wrong. Nor does he accumulate wealth out of a love for pleasure. So, this is what we deliberate. This is what we think about, thirst on. He does not find delight in pleasure, nor does he grieve his neighbor, nor does he stuff himself with delicacies. Nor does he stuff himself with delicacies, nor is he led astray by visual excitement. Yahuwah is his portion. Moderation. Moderation. Even in eating. Sirach 31, 16-22. Just in case you're new, Sirach, also known as a book of Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes in your normal 66 book canon. This is Ecclesiasticus or Sirach, uh, which was also included in the Apocrypha section of the Bible like we mentioned Second Ezra earlier. And it says, chapter 31, verse 16 says, Eat like a human being what is set before you, and do not chew greedily, lest you be hated. And I think this is actually uh, the context of what Messiah and Paul said to eat what's set before you. I think this is the context, not just eat pork if someone sets it before you. Eat like a human being what is set before you, and do not chew greedily, lest you be hated. Be the first to stop eating for the sake of good manners, and do not be insatiable. That means unable to be satisfied. That's, that's gorging yourself. Do not be insatiable lest you give offense. If you are seated among many persons, do not reach out your hand before they do. How ample a little is for a well-disciplined man. Self-control. He does not breathe heavily upon his bed. Healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. If you are overstuffed with food, get up in the middle of the meal and you'll have relief. Listen to me, my son, and do not disregard me. And in the end, you will appreciate my words. And in all your work, be industrious and no sickness will overtake you. Matthew 24, 45 through 51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them food at proper time, at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Rulers, like we said earlier. But if that wicked servant says to himself, ah, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunken, and Luke, in a different version, says surfeiting, which surfeiting means to be overindulging. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will punish him, and will put him with the hypocrites, and there men will weep and gnash their teeth. If you've got a problem with overeating, with gluttony, man, this is the time. This is the time. And I'm talking to myself. I'll put myself out there. I like to eat. I do. And this is something that I've struggled with my entire life. And it's a constant battle, but let's win this battle. Let's not let food and overindulgence overtake us. Let's not. Let's do it together. Some of you out there are like, like, I ain't got no problem with that. We all, we all struggle with different things. We do. All right. Benjamin 6.4. The good mind does not receive glory or dishonor from men. Nor does it know deceit or lying or conflict or abuse, for Yahuwah dwells in him in him, illumines his life, and he rejoices in everything at appropriate at every appropriate time. 
uh, was it Paul saying, was it First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always? <clears throat> he also says in other places, I know how to uh, be satisfied when I have plenty and when I have little. But here, this is, this is something that I think needs to be said. The good mindset does not receive glory or dishonor from men. So whether people attack you and say evil things about you or give you all this praise, oh, oh how wise you are, don't receive it. Give Yah the praise and don't receive him. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I am a little wise. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe, uh, nah, eh, none of that, none of that. Don't be moved either way. T uh, Testament of Dan, chapter 4, uh, says something else on top of this, which I really liked. I remembered it. Chapter 4, verse 3. When anyone speaks against you, do not be moved to anger. And if anyone praises you as being kind, or in another version says holy, do not be elated, nor be carried away, neither by pleasure nor by shame. Don't let it move you either way, because the tests of, the, the tests of life are both ways. Either people shaming or, or reviling you or people that are just lifting and praising you up all the time. Don't don't receive it. Don't receive it from men. Receive your praise from Elohim. Because that's what, remember, people can get tripped up by that because if they get constantly, especially people in like uh, uh, leadership or, or influential roles, <clears throat> if they get caught up in this praise, constant praise of men and hate when people are, you know come against them, it could shy them away from talking about something controversial. But, oh, I don't want people to hate me. So I just won't talk about it. Or, you know, if they have this constant desire for praise of men, they may be ashamed to speak up on certain things. For case in point, it said that some of the Pharisees believed on him, or it says many, I think, did it say many of the Pharisees, or some of the Pharisees believed on him, but did not speak up because uh, a fear of being kicked out of the temple. And then it goes on to say, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of Elohim. Anyways, <clears throat> hopefully that makes sense. So don't be carried away, either good or bad, about what, how people talk to you. Benjamin 6.5, the good set of mind does not talk from both sides of its mouth. Praises and curses, abuse and honor, calm and strife, hypocrisy and truth, poverty and wealth, but it has one disposition, uncontaminated and pure towards all men. This is talking about double-tongued or double-minded single versus double-minded psalm 55 12 through 14 for it was not an enemy that reproached me then could i have borne it neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me then i would have hid myself from him but it was you a man my equal my guide and mine acquaintance we took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of elohim in company a little bit further down he has put forth his hand against such as be at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, but they were drawn swords. Anybody know like someone like that? I do. Many times in my life. <clears throat> More on this about being double-tongued or being double-minded versus being single-tongued and single-minded, which of course we want to be single-minded and single-tongued. Uh, the, the Testament of Issachar study we did a couple weeks ago now. Benjamin 6.6, 6, there is no duplicity in its perception or its hearing. Whatever it does or speaks or per perceives, it knows that Yahuwah is watching over its life. And this is key, especially for people that are still struggling with things out there where you know, you know you're like, ah, oh, I got to stop doing this. Whatever you're doing, this is what helped me. This may not help everybody. But this may help some people. Whatever you're doing, 
<clears throat> and you're like the temptation's there and you're like oh I don't want to I don't want to do that but I I just give in imagine that you that everything is before the throne room and he sees everything imagine that you are literally like on a holographic screen in the the throne room and he's just watching you like what's he going to do what's he going to do and you imagine that he sees everything because he does that's the, hopefully you have a f true fear of you on your heart and you'd be like yeah not worth it help me get on your knees pray and help me I have a weakness this is my weakness please take my weakness from me and turn it into a strength and he will but it takes action and it takes a heart and a desire to do it it knows that Yahuwah is watching over his or her life for he cleanses his mind in order that he will not be suspected of wrongdoing either by men or by Elohim. Because know, we know that the word of Elohim is um, sharper uh, than any two-edged sword and is a discerner of the hearts and the intents and the intents and the minds. He knows our thoughts. So if he knows our thoughts, we clean our mind. And if those thoughts enter in, this is where we take every thought captive. Like, no, uh-uh. Maybe, maybe Hasatan has the ability to throw a little dream in you like, huh, remember that? You wake up, no. I rebuke that dream or whatever it may be. That thought, no, I rebuke that thought in the name of Yahushua. Please take this thought out of my mind. I don't want to dwell on it. Boom. Root that evil out of there. Get it out. I don't want it. For he cleanses his mind in order that he will not be suspected of wrongdoing either by men or Elohim. The works of Belial are twofold or double-minded or double-tongued and have in them no integrity. Sirach again. Sirach 23. A man who breaks his marriage vows says to himself, Who sees me? Darkness surrounds me and the walls hide me and no one sees me. Why should I fear? The Most High will not take notice of my sins. Or in today's world, Messiah will forgive me. The blood of Messiah will cleanse me. And they go to do the thing and then afterwards they repent. His fear is confined to the eyes of men. And he does not realize that the eyes of Yahuwah are 10,000 times brighter than the sun. They look upon all the ways of men and perceive even the hidden places. Gulp. We better watch ourselves. Chapter 7, so I tell you, my children, flee from the evil of Belial because he offers a sword to those who obey him. And the sword is the mother of the seven evils. It receives them through Belial. The first is moral corruption. The second is destruction. The third is oppression. The fourth is captivity. The fifth is want. The sixth is turmoil. The seventh is desolation. It is for this reason that Cain was handed over by Elohim for seven punishments. For in every hundredth year, Yahuwah brought upon him one plague. When he was 200 years old, suffering began, and in his 900th year he was deprived of life. For he was condemned on account of Abel, his brother, as a result of all his evil deeds. But Lamech was condemned 70 times 7. Until eternity, those who are like Cain in envy and hatred of brother or brethren shall be punished with a similar judgment. Want to learn more about envy and jealousy, which is still in today's world a huge plague, even in the believing community? Please see Simeon. And Dan and Gad, those. Let's talk about Cain and envy. First John three seven through twelve. Little children, let no man deceive you, not Satan nor any of his ministers. 
He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil. So we can see that this would be the opposites. Righteousness is defined in the Torah as walking his commandments. The opposite of walking his commandments is sin. 1 John 3, 4 tells us that sin is transgression of the Torah. So he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Elohim was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sin. Whoever is born of Elohim does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of Elohim. That's a place we should be working towards, that we literally can't sin. Like, when the opportunity of sin arises, we're like, no, I won't do it. I'll choose no. That's a big no. That's a big no for me. How about a big no? In this, the children of Elohim are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of Elohim, neither he that loves not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Galatians 5, 19-21, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Some people call the keeping of the commandments of the Torah works of the flesh, but Paul actually describes what the works of the flesh are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, which is very abundant, even in Yah's people. Let it not be so, and not be named among us anymore. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things, commandment breakers, shall not inherit the kingdom of Elohim. That's right. Paul said that. The one that said that by grace are we saved. And so is either contradicting himself that one who is saved by grace that participates in these things also won't get in the kingdom of Elohim? Or has he been telling us something the whole time? That we're saved by Messiah and we now have to walk in a newness of life like he says in Romans 6. Seems pretty simple. Chapter 8. But you, my children, run from evil, envy, and hatred of brothers. Cling to goodness and love. For the person with a mind that is pure with love does not look on a woman for the purpose of having sexual relations. More on this of fornication, lust of the flesh. Please check out Reuben. Reuben is like number one for this. Reuben and Judah are the two testaments that really talk about that. He Listen to this. He has no pollution in his heart because upon him is resting the spirit of Elohim. Listen, this is a very powerful statement. Please. For just as the sun is unpolluted, though it shines on dung and slime, but dries up both and drives off the bad odor, so also the pure mind, though surrounded with the corruptions of the earth, cleanses instead and is not itself corrupted boy is that a passage for us in our time because i was as i was saying at the the onset of this about being maybe the sons and daughters of his old age especially because we live in a, an age that's so dark it's so wicked and so demonic it's openly demonic i mean openly the music the movies the tv shows everything is just demonic and we're surrounded by demonic activity by satanic activity. It's dark. As far as like spiritual darkness, I mean, this is probably the darkest it's ever been. I, I can't, I don't know. Maybe the time, the days of Noah, but he says, as in the days of Noah, so shall be in the coming of the man. So it's spiritually so dark around here 
but we're called to be the light and we should be like the sun that even though it so it it, it dries up number two stuff and other stinky stuff but is not itself defiled by these stinky things that it's around we should be the same things so we should be like sh bright shining lights messiah called john a bright shining light or torch that was shining among men and of course messiah himself was a shining light in the darkness he's called us also be the light so us in these dark dark days we should be shining the light and be out amongst men and women amongst the people not reclusing in a hole and waiting for the last days in a missile missile silo but being amongst men and women and being a shining light and not being defiled by the things that were around. Let's take a look at uh, Matthew 5. It says this, You are the light of the world. I thought he was. He is the light of the world. But we're also supposed to be like him. We're supposed to be followers of Messiah. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our light should be shining. Our good works should be shining. Now, of course, we know certain good works should be kept private, like like giving to the poor or helping people, things like that. But otherwise, it should be visible. Isaiah 49, 5-10. And now says Yahweh that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of Yahuwah, and my Elohim shall be my strength. We know this is talking about Messiah, because he was the ones he was the one to regather the, the tribes of Jacob. But here we are scattered again and all over the place, and we need to be bringing the tribes of Jacob back to him. And he said, It is a light thing that you should be, or is it a light thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give you for a light to the nations. We know this is Messiah, but we know also the apostles and the disciples quoted this in the book of Acts, I think chapter 13, in applying it to them, that they were to be the light to the nations, that they were to go out and to be the light among the nations, that you may be my salvation to the end of the earth. Thus, now we're not that we're saviors. Of course, we point to Messiah, but we've got to go out and do that pointing. And that's not pointing like, but more like pointing to him. Thus says Yahweh, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nations abhorth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of Yahweh that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose you. Thus says Yahuwah, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation have I helped you, and I will preserve you and give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that you may say to the prisoners, now this is, though, though Messiah, this was his duty, this is our duty as well. You can say to the prisoners, people who are literally in a prison, a spiritual prison, that they have themselves locked in and the key is available to them, but they just don't know. You may say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, we're talking about spiritual darkness and people all around in this spiritual darkness that love it. They love wickedness and don't even know it's wicked. They celebrate pagan holidays with so much joy and cheer and watch movies that say people that don't do this are like Scrooges and Grinches and Bah Humbugs. They're so led astray by the schemes and the wiles of the devil. Let's show them the truth in love and stop pointing the finger. Because guess what? Where were we a couple years ago? A couple months ago? A couple days ago? A couple years ago, whatever. <clears throat> Go to them that are in darkness. Show yourselves. 
They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all the high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that has mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. Hallelujah. So let's be the light. Let's be a light in the darkness. Chapter 9. From the words of Enoch the righteous, I tell you that you will be sexually promiscuous like the promiscuity of the Sodomites and will perish, save a few. The testament of the patriarchs continuously confirm the book of Enoch is scripture. You shall resume your actions with loose women and the kingdom of Yahweh will not be among you for he will take it away forthwith. But in your allotted place will the temple of Elohim and the last temple will exceed the former in glory. This is New Jerusalem. The twelve tribes shall be gathered there in all nations until such time as the Most High shall send forth his salvation through the ministration of the only begotten prophet. He shall enter into the temple. This is the first or second temple. Second temple. And there shall the master be treated with outrage and he shall be lifted up upon a tree. I mean, how much more messianic of a prophecy can this get? That's what's so amazing about these books as well. And the veil of the temple shall be rent. We know that's we know that that's there. And the spirit of Elohim shall pass on to the Gentiles as fire poured forth. I mean, it cannot get more clear than this. He foretold all of this before it happened. And he shall ascend from Hades and shall pass from earth into heaven. And I know how lowly he shall be on the earth and how glorious in heaven. When Joseph was in Egypt, I earnestly desired to see his appearance and the form of his face. And through my father Jacob's prayers, I saw him while I was awake during the day, just as he was his whole appearance. So he got visions. So Benjamin got visions. And after he had spoken these things to them, he said, you know, then my children that I am dying. Do the truth. Do the Torah. Psalm 19, 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law, the Torah, is the truth. Period. So do the truth. Do the Torah. Each of you to his neighbor. How much clearer can it get? Keep the Torah, the law of Yahuwah and his commandments. For I leave you these things instead of an inheritance. Give them then to your children for an eternal possession. For this is what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did. This is what we read earlier in Deuteronomy 6. Focus on the Torah. Teach it diligently to your children. Because guess what? It's a prized possession. It's not some antiquated thing that's done away with. Deuteronomy 33.4 Moses commanded us a law, a Torah, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. This is a blessing. Men have said for years that it's old, it's done away with, it's too hard, it's whatever. No! The only part Messiah came to change was the sacrificial animals. We're not sacrificing animals anymore. Praise Yah. He's our sacrifice. Hallelujah. And that was foretold all throughout the prophets about the, the animal sacrifices that would be done away with. But the Sabbath and the feast days and all that kind of stuff, no. The only time he said he hated them is because they were they were doing them probably in their own tr uh, man-made tradition ways. And they were, they were also seeking um, Baal. And, and that's why like, Elijah was like, choose. If, if you want to serve Baal, serve Baal. But if, you know, if, he's, if he's master, serve him. But if Yahuwah is master, serve him. How long will you stand between two ways? Yah hated it. He, he hated it that they went to the feast days because they were they would they'd do the feast days and they would just go about their wicked ways. And that's what he says in Jeremiah. Will you kill, steal, and murder and come to my house and, and say, uh, you know, we have been delivered to do all these things? Anyways, I better stop preaching. The Torah is an inheritance. It's a gift for us. Just like the Sabbath. It's not a burden. The, the, the Jewish added laws made it a burden with like 
if you get out of your bed, you're, you're working and you've broken Shabbat. Or if you give your put your hand outside of your door and give to a poor man, you've broken Shabbat. That's that's the burden stuff that Yahusha came to do away with and stomped all over. Uh, Benjamin 10.5, they gave us all these things as an inheritance, saying, Keep Elohim's commandments until Yahuwah reveals his salvation to all the tribes. And then you will see Enoch and Seth and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob being raised up at the right hand in great joy. Obviously, these things haven't happened yet, so we continue to do these things, just like he said, um, until heaven and earth pass away. Praise Yah. Then we shall also be raised, each of us over our tribe, and we shall worship the King of Heaven, who appeared on earth in the form of a man in humility. And as many as believe on him on earth shall rejoice with him. Then also men shall rise, some unto glory and some unto shame. This is confirmed uh, multiple witnesses. Daniel 12, at that time, Michael stand, shall stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, will shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I believe that's the time we're living in now. What's interesting is, it says, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We talk a lot more about this in a video called uh, Zombies in the Bible. Just search it out. Zombies in the Bible, Parable of the Vineyard. Uh, it's also confirmed in Second Baruch. You can read this on your own. Second Baruch 49 through 51. It plainly states, in not, it doesn't say the word zombie, but it plainly shows us that zombies, basically, there's going to be a resurrection. And some are going to be resurrected to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So they're going to be raised from the dead, and they're going to be wandering around the earth in shame and contempt, in outer darkness, outside the gates of New Jerusalem. Whatever. It doesn't say what they're going to sound like, but search it out. So read Second Baruch 49-51, and or take a look at the, the video, because there's a lot more scriptures that support this, about when this resurrection happens. It's not just the resurrection of the good. It's the resurrection also of the bad. And then they're also going to be destroyed, which is called the second death. Anyways, um, zombies in the Bible, parable of the vineyard. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So not everyone's going to have to die. Psalm 102 also says there's going to be a generation of people who are loosed from the appointment to death. And a moment in the twinkling of an eye in the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Praise Yah. John 5. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which that all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The damned. The undead. The walking dead. There's going to be people that want to die and can't die. <clears throat> Remember that? And uh, so uh, Benjamin 10, we're almost at the end here. Uh, Benjamin 10, and the master shall judge Israel first for their unrighteousness. For when he appeared as Elohim in the flesh to deliver them, he believed them not. Is there a group of people who are calling themselves Israel and descendants, but yet continue to reject him? I think so. Ezekiel 22. Behold, the princes of Israel, everyone were in thee to their power to shed blood. 
and in you have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of you have they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In you have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. You have despised my holy things and have profaned my Sabbaths. In you, and, and think about all the added man-made laws to the Sabbaths, what the Jews are currently doing. In you are men that carry tales to shed blood, and in you they eat upon the mountains. In the midst of you they commit lewdness. In you they have discovered their father's nakedness. In you have they humbled her that was set apart for pollution. And one has committed abomination with his neighbor's wife, and another has lewdly defiled his daughter-in-law. And another in you has humbled his sister, his father's daughter. In you have they taken gifts to shed blood. You have taken usury and increase and has, has greedily gained of thy neighbors by extortion, and has forgotten me, says Yahweh Elohim. And you take a look at the, the banksters of the world and who those people are that are taking massive usury on people and increase, and greedily gained of the neighbors by extortion, and has forgotten him. Well, I think these are the Jews that say they are Jews, but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Behold, therefore, I have smitten mine hand at thy dishonest gain which you have made, and at your blood which has been in the midst of you, can your heart endure or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, Yahweh, have spoken and will do it. And before, before I move on, continue, you can't call this uh, anti-Sema, you know, whatever it's called. Um, because, hey, guess what? I was born Jewish uh, and I was born part of that people. Uh, but praise be to Yah, he has opened my eyes to show the wickedness of not a people or a race or whatever. It's talking about, I'm talking about a belief system. A belief system that has rejected our Messiah and a belief system that has elevated the Talmud, the oral Torah, above the Torah of the Most High and that walk in wickedness into this day and reject him to this very day. And their Talmud that they hold higher than the Torah, you don't believe me? Let's take a look. Talmud is the oral law. This is all the stuff that Messiah came and rebuked. The Talmud is the central text of rabbinic Judaism and the primary source of Jewish religious law and Jewish theologies. You see that? It's a primary source, not the Torah. And what is rabbinic Judaism? A rabbinic Judaism or Judaism, blah, 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 has been the mainstream form of Judaism since the 6th century after the codification of the Babylonian Talmud. Rabbinic Judaism has its roots in Pharisaic Judaism, the Pharisees. This is what the Pharisees turned into. And this is what dominates in that land over there that they call Israel. So anyways, this is what we're talking about. And where he says, Master shall judge Israel first for their inner, for their unrighteousness. For when he appeared as Elohim in the flesh to deliver him, they believed him not. Is there a group of people that still don't believe in him? Yes. Can your heart, and this is back to Ezekiel 22. Can your heart endure? Or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, Yahweh, have spoken it and will do it. And I will scatter you among the heathen dispersion 70 AD all over the place and disperse you in the countries and will consume your filthiness out of you and you shall take your inheritance and yourself in the sight of the heathen and you shall know that I am Yahuwah and the word of Yahuwah came unto me saying son of man the house of Israel is to me become dross they are all brass and tin and iron and lead in the midst of the furnace they are even the dross of silver which is the unwanted part so literally these people have become the unwanted part Therefore, thus says Yahweh Elohim, because you are all become dross, and behold, listen to this. Remember, he says, I'm going to scatter you. Now he says, therefore, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem 
as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow the fire upon it to melt it. So will I gather you in my anger and in my fury. This is not a refining fire. This is a melt you fire. And I will leave you there and melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath and you shall be melted in the midst thereof. So when people say that that state, political state of Israel is not of Yah, it is, but for a different reason. He just says right here, I'm going to gather you into the midst of Jerusalem and I'm going to leave you there and I'm going to burn you. Not a refiner's fire, but I'm going to melt you. And my fire and my wrath and it shall be melted in the midst thereof. As silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so shall you be melted in the midst thereof and you shall know that I am Yahweh. I have poured out my fury upon you. Not my correction, my fury upon you. Revelation 18, 2-6 And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Who is this her? And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her. We're supposed to come out of this her. We're going to re re reveal who her is. My people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and they receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and Elohim has remembered her iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she has filled to her double. Isaiah 41 through 2. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your Elohim. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned for she has received of Yahweh's hand double for all her sins. Reward her even as she were to you and double, double unto according to her works. What else is there to talk about? Ezekiel 23, 1-4. Sorry, that was a little snide comment. <clears throat> I apologize. I get a little excited about this topic sometimes. Please forgive me. That was inappropriate. Ezekiel 23, 1-4. The word of Yahuwah came unto me, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother, and they committed whoredoms in Egypt. So remember, in Revelation 2, <clears throat> it says uh, her fornication, the kings of their have committed fornication with her. <clears throat> there are two women, the daughters of one mother, and they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their breasts pressed, and there they bruised the teats of their virginity. And the names of them were Ahola the elder, and Aholi by her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names Samaria as Ahola, and Jerusalem Aholibah. A little bit later in Ezekiel 23, 43. Then I said unto her that was old in adulteries. This is talking about Jerusalem. Will they now commit whoredoms with her, and she with them? Remember, all nations committed with her fornication. And what is this? It's claiming to be Yah's and walking in false ways. And they're still doing that today. Yet they went in unto her as they go into a woman that played the harlot. So they went in into Ahola and unto Aholiba, the lewd women, and the righteous men, and they shall judge them after the manner of adulteresses and after the manner of women that shed blood, because they are adulteresses and blood is in their hands. For thus says Yahweh Elohim, I will bring up a company upon them and will give them to be removed and spoiled. And the company shall stone them with stones and dispatch them with their swords. And they shall slay their sons and their daughters and burn up their houses with fire. And thus will I cause lewdness to cease out of the land and that all women may be taught not to do after your lewdness. <clears throat> That's not just 70 AD. This is going to happen again. This is where all the world's going to see. What city is like this great city for in one hour she is destroyed? Anyways. 
couple more evidences. We're almost done. Exodus 15, 13 through 15. This is the song of Moshe. You and your mercy has led forth the people which you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength into your holy habitation. New Jerusalem. The people shall hear and shall be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine. Where is that? Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them. And listen to this. Remember, he says he's going to disperse those people that disperse those people that, that denied him. And then he's going to bring them back into the midst of Jerusalem and melt them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Isaiah 33, 5-17. Yahweh is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and strength of salvation. The fear of Yahweh is his treasure. Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. What's all that land talking about now? Peace, peace. Jeremiah says, peace, peace, and there is no peace. Or, what peace? The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man seizes. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. The earth mourns and languishes. Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Part of that land of inheritance? Sharon is like a wilderness. Same thing. Bashan and Carmel shall shake off their fruits. That's that area. Now will I rise, says Yahuwah. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. This is the day of Yah. You shall conceive chaff. You shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime. I'm going to gather you in the midst of Jerusalem, he says, and melt you. As thorns cut up, shall they be burned in the fire. These are people that hate him. Why? Because it says, he who does not love the son does not have the father also. He who rejects the son hates the father. That's what his word says. Hear ye that are afar off what I have done, and you that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Listen to this. The sinners in Zion, where is this? This is not talking about Zion, New Jerusalem. This is talking about that land over there. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. What did he keep calling those people? Messiah, you hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? He that walks righteously and speaks uprightly, that despises the gain of oppressors, oppressions, that shakes his hand from holding bribes, that stops his ears from hearing of blood, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, and his water shall be sure. Your eyes shall see the king in his beauty, so they shall behold the land that is very far off. Zephaniah 1, the word of Yahweh that came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, of Hezekiah in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Listen, I will utterly consume all things from off the land. What land do you think he's talking about? Says Yahweh. I will consume man and beast. I will consume fowls of the heaven, the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks of, with the wicked, and I will cut off man off the land. What land do you think he's talking about? Says Yahuwah. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Kimmerims with the priests. Why? Because guess what? That Talmud that they, that they abide by is devilish. It is Baal worship, even though it's not openly Baal worship. Because guess what? It's not worshiping Yah. It's worshiping in man-made way. And guess who gave man that those those ways? And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by Yahuwah and swear by Malcolm. Remember that 
one foot in each place that we were talking about earlier. And then that are turned back from Yahuwah and those that have not sought Yahuwah nor inquired for him. Hold thy, priest, hold thy peace at the presence of Yahuwah for the day of Yahuwah is at hand. For Yahuwah has prepared a sacrifice. He has bid his guests. And a little bit later, verse 12. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, Yahuwah will not do good, neither will he do evil. Therefore their good shall become a booty and their houses a desolation. And they also shall build houses but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of Yahuwah is near, it is near and hastes greatly. Even the voice of the day of Yahuwah, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against Yahuwah and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Yahuwah's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make a, even a speedy riddance, riddance of all them that dwell in the land. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen, I believe, in the last days. That's why also in, the, in Revelation 14, the beginning, Babylon falls. And then that's an example to the rest of the nations. That's why all the nations say, oh, how this great city has been just destroyed in one hour. And that's the, that's the land he's talking about. And the master shall judge Israel first for their unrighteousness. For when he appeared as Elohim in the flesh to deliver them, they believed him not. First, Babylon is judged. The harlot is judged first. And I know that America is Babylon. I know. New York City is Babylon. London's Babylon. Rome is Babylon. Everything's Babylon. Why? Because everyone has drunk of her fornications. But there's one mother, there's one harlot that taught all of her daughters these ways. That's Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the mother of all harlots. America's a harlot. New York City's a harlot. All of them are harlots. They're all harlots. But there's one mother. There's one mother who was originally married to the Most High and that went astray and taught others how to do the same. Even in even in this walk, people still like, oh, the Jews, Jewish ways, and oh, you know, I want to do their all their traditions out. Get out of here with that. Messiah came and he hated their man-made traditions. Why would we want to walk in the man-made traditions today? Why do we ooh and ah over a certain race or ethnicity? There's neither Jew nor Gentile in Messiah. There is none. Either in or out. So most of those people living over there are Gentiles. It's totally opposite. Satan is a, is a, is a master of inversion, flipping things upside down. He's got everybody thinking that those are his chosen people and we're just... The Gentiles, the church. Well, we are the church. We are the assembly. But people who reject Messiah are out. Read Romans 11. They're cut off. And I'm not boasting against them. I'm just separating truth from lies. And you can't call me an anti-Sem, whatever. Because that's, that's where I came from. So, 10-9. Almost done. Benjamin 10.9. And then he shall do the same for all the nations, as many as believed him not when he appeared on the earth. Read Jeremiah 25. It's talking about the day of Yah, and the destruction starts at Jerusalem, then the other nations. Then he shall judge Israel by the chosen people, as he tested Esau by the Midianites, who love their brothers. You therefore, my children, may your lot come to be with those who fear and reverence Elohim Yahuwah. Let it be so. Let's pray right now. 
Father Yah, we just come before you, Husha's name, and we want to mourn and weep for those who are not going to be on the right side of things when everything happens, Father. We pray that you can help us to be a light, to make true converts, Father, to your way, to believers in Messiah and walking as he walked according to your Torah. Help us, Father. We want to be included in this lot, and we want to help others to see the same. In Yahushua's name, amen. Let's go. Keep going. Therefore, my children, if you live in holiness, in accord with Yahuwah's commands, you shall again dwell with me in hope, and all Israel will be gathered to Yahuwah. And I shall no longer be called a rapacious wolf on account of your rapine, but Yahuwah's worker providing food for those who do good works. Now, in other translations, it kind of makes it sound like this is Paul, but it's really not. This is, this is talking about Yahushua. And in the latter times, there shall rise up the beloved of Yahuwah from the lineage of Judah and Levi, one who does his good pleasure by his mouth, enlightening all the nations with new knowledge. The light of the knowledge will mount up in Israel for her salvation, seizing them like a wolf coming upon them, gathering the tribes. Until the consummation of the ages, he shall be in the congregations of the Gentiles or nations or people, and among the rulers like a musical air in the mouth of all. He shall be written of in sacred books, both with his work and his word, and he shall be Yahuwah's chosen one forever. He shall range widely among them, like my father Jacob, saying, He shall fill up what was lacking of your tribe. And I do believe this is talking about Yahusha. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, it says here, In a latter time there shall rise up uh, Yahuwah, um, the beloved of Yahuwah, which is of course Messiah, of the lineage of Judah and Levi, which we see continuously in the patriarchs, one who does his good pleasure by his mouth, enlightening all the nations with new knowledge. The light of the knowledge will mount up in Israel for her salvation. So I want to read um, Nazarim, Book of the Nazarim, chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. This is page 70. And we're going to read 7 through 9. <clears throat> While eating, Yahushua said, No man of himself can know right from wrong. For what is right in one man's eyes may be wrong in another's. Therefore strife arises among them. Only when men accept a single standard of judgment and abide by it, it can there be peace. When men live together without the light of the Torah, they are like a house built with unmortared bricks, or like men trying to tow a boat, but all pulling in different directions. There are two laws, the law of men, Talmud, and other stuff, and other garbage, and the Torah of the Father who is in heaven. When I speak of the Torah, I do not mean the law of men. I am the light illuminating Yahuwah's Torah so men may see it more clearly. This is what it's talking about here. Enlightening the nations of new knowledge, the light of knowledge will mount up. I am the light, this is Messiah, I am the light of I am the light illuminating Yahuwah's Torah so men may see it more clearly. <clears throat> and listen to this, and though I fulfill the Torah, I do not change it. Never say this is right or that is wrong, but only say this is right or wrong according to the Torah and in the light of Yahusha. I bring new oil for the lamp of the Torah, for that within it now is impure, and the light produces too much obscuring smoke. For I am the Son of Man and bear the sufferings of men, coming to fulfill their hopes even as it has been foretold. Is it not said among the Jeseneth that the Son of Man is the perfected man? who will set the standard for those who wish to be true sons of Elohim. Anyways. Okay, so we're almost done here. Chapter 12. And when he had finished his statements, he said, I command you, my children, carry up my bones out of Egypt, bury me in Hebron near my father's. Benjamin died last of all his in one, the 125th year at a ripe old age, and they placed him in a coffin. And in the 91st year, after the departure of the sons of Israel for Egypt, 
they and their brothers took up the bones of their fathers secretly because of the war with Canaan and buried them in Hebron by the feet of their fathers. Then they returned from the land of Canaan and resided in Egypt until the day of their departure from Egypt. So with that, brothers and sisters, we are finished with the Testament of the Patriarchs. I pray it was a blessing for you in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I pray that uh, we can all continue to grow together, admitting our faults before Yahuwah, admitting our weaknesses before him, and may he turn them into strengths. May we have unification and mercy and patience and love for one another in the midst of our disagreements. With that being said, brothers and sisters, um, the next study we're going to be doing is the we're going to be doing a line by line of the Book of Nazarene, testing it, improving it, and put in, and uh, seeing if this is uh, something um, worthy of our continued study. Because so far, it's been amazing. It's been amazing to read. And uh, it's been amazing to share. And the, the few people that have read it have also said the same thing. So we're going to test it together. So with that being said, brothers and sisters, we did quote from uh, the Song of Moshe today. So I think we're going to end with the Song of Moshe. So let's pray, though, first. Father Yahweh, just thank you for uh, allowing us to do this study of the 12 patriarchs, Father. And I, I truly pray it was a blessing for someone out there and, and that our walks can be refined through these words, Father, that we do believe or preserve for us in these last days. We thank you so much for Yahusha sending him that we may have forgiveness and help us, Father, that we may walk as he walked according to your ways. Help us to love you and love people with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to be the light to the nations, to restore the tribes of Israel back to you, oh yeah. In Yahusha's mighty name, amen, hallelujah, and Shabbat Shalom. All right, we're going to do the Song of Moshe. Uh, Passover's coming up soon. Uh, we got to get prepared here. Song of Moshe. Shabbat Shalom. I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song, and he has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him. Elohim of my Father And I exalt Him Yahuwah is a man of battle Yahuwah is His name He has cast Pharaoh's chariots And his army into the sea and his chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds. The depths covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has crushed the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped up 
The floods stood like a wall The depths became stiff In the heart of the sea The enemy said I pursue, I overtake I divide the spoil My being is satisfied on them I draw out my sword My hand destroys them You blew with your wind, the sea covered them They sank like lead in the mighty waters Who is like you? Oh, Yahuwah among the mighty ones Who is like you? Great in Kodeshah Awesome in praises Working wonders You stretched out your right hand The earth swallowed them In your kindness You led the people Whom you have redeemed In your strength You guided them To your Kodesh dwelling Peoples heard They trembled Anguish gripped the inhabitants of Pelasheth Then the chiefs of Edom were troubled The mighty men of Moab Trembling grips them All the inhabitants of Canaan Melted Fear and dread fell on them By the greatness of your arm They are as silent as a Until your people pass over, oh, Yahuwah. Until the people whom you have bought pass over. You bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, oh, Yahuwah. Which you have made for your own dwelling The meek dash, O Yahuwah Which your hands have prepared Yahuwah reigns forever And ever